I now call this meeting of the Amateur Detective Club to order. I'm Melissa Maley, the spy. I'm Tyler Riley, arrest the killers of Brianna Taylor. <laughs> I'm Tristan Miller, the saucy sleuth. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash adcpod and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash adcpod. So I want to make something clear. I didn't laugh because what Tyler said was funny. I was just surprised. Oh, yes. It's very serious. Uh, yes. Do, in fact, arrest the killers of Breonna yeah. Taylor. I was just fully expecting something else to come out of his mouth, so. Um, yeah, I wasn't quite sure it was going to come out of my mouth in the moment. I had a couple <laughs> of things ruminating in my mind. There's, yeah. unfortunately, so many things to say. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are talking about uh, the television adaptation of Agatha Christie's One, Two, Buckle My Shoe. And that is season four, episode three of Agatha Christie's Poirot. The season finale. Right. The season finale. This three-episode season of uh, TV mo- movies, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this is uh, different because this is the first one that we have not read beforehand. Oh, is this based off of a, a short story or a book? I am a book. assuming. Oh, really? That, yeah. I did not know. That was just my assumption. Um, cool. Because it was dramatized by such an Clive, whatever. Oh, by the way, um, Phil, the guy who plays Jap, just recently turned, I think, um, 90. Philip Jackson. Oh. Fantastic. Yeah, Philip Jackson. Yeah. Happy birthday, Philip. Yeah, last week. Yeah. Forgot to mention it. Shout out to our boy. Yeah, absolutely. Let me double check that age, because I don't want to age him too much. I just looked up how old David Suchet is recently. Because Rich mm-hmm. said as we were watching the episode, I mean, he's got to be in like his 40s in this. I'm like, really? You think? Not in yeah. his 50s? And because I think of Poirot feels just, Poirot feels like he so should be old. my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in um, his energy. But I'm looking at him I'm like, no, I guess pa, 40. Pa, 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 pa. Yeah, 40 makes sense. Yeah. And he was mm-hmm. in his 40s. Okay, so Philip Jackson is 72. I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So Philip Jackson was also in his 40s in this. Yes. Uh, Nope, we're just going to release this episode in 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what happened? Um, Gina Rollins' birthday was Saturday, Friday, um, and she turned 90. And so I got the two birthdays squished together in my mind. Gotcha. There's no way Philip Jackson's 90. Looking at him, I was like, what? (laughs) No. I mean, some people don't age. Look at Paul Rudd. That's true. Look at Patrick Stewart. Look at Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. She's, Um, what, like, 33? She's 65? My God. (laughs) How is that possible? (laughs) Oh. so, little known fact about this episode, it, it apparently was directed by David Lynch based off of the opening. What the f- what is happening in oh, the opening? Oh, okay. I was like, oh, I was like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's not. I have it up. Like... Director Ross Devinish. 
Uh, oh, and I'm sorry, Angela is 61. Okay. Okay. I can't believe anything you say anymore, Tyler. Okay, uh, <laughs> David Finch or whatever, whoever you just said. <laughs> Philip Jackson. Um, David Lynch. <laughs> yes. Uh, so there it's is such a weird opening. <laughs> okay, so this is as we said called "One Two Buckle My Shoe," and the only music yeah. in this entire episode are riffs off of the Poirot theme and yes. the hopscotch song one two buckle my shoe played at various tempos in various ominous keys yes it reminded me of your stand-up routine <laughs> about baby, baby shark, shark. Yeah. yeah oh yeah because it's one two buckle my shoe in a minor key and yeah. slowed down and it's very creepy it's very effective it's uh it's very strange it also gives um, a horror movie feel, which is does. bizarre. Uh, it's not like a, oh, you're about to get murdered by a human. It's a, oh, you're about to get murdered by a ghost opening. Yeah. 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 And I want to say something while we're talking a bit about the music. There was another um, thing, like a note I made. Mm-hmm. If you are watching this and you are watching those without the subtitles on, you are missing oh. out on some great descriptions of what they think the music is. So I did at watch one point, it without. It was just anxious music, and I was like, oh, yeah. "Same, same <laughs> dog." <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, it's a very strange opening. It's like slow mo. There's eerie chanting from children, <laughs> and there's like. Um, you, we're in a, a a hospital, right, or something. We look like there's a doctor. It's an apartment that has been oh. converted into a dentist's office. Yeah, but like from the, I meant just like from the opening. You, I, I you don't necessarily okay, sure. know that, but yeah, we're in a we're in an apartment that's been converted into a dentist office. It's a private practice, one might assume. Mm-hmm. Um. And you see uh, someone pull a gun, and you see somebody, the dentist, fall to the ground. And it's very, it's in black and white and very strange. And then we cut to a newsreel. Which was so unnecessary. I feel like it was really unnecessary, but... <laughs> I, I've, uh, Scene setting, I, I appreciated it, because, I mean, we have seen that in past Poirot episodes. Like, it is mm-hmm. a, a previously established convention. Okay. When we are... Going to a different country. Okay. Like, I, we also got the newsreel when we went to Greece. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yes. So, we're in India, and they're talking about some Indian history that is happening in that time. Um, and then we uh, see a theater that is playing Much Ado About Nothing. We see mm-hmm. the very end of Much Ado About Nothing, where they skip over lines in a way. The irony. Or not the irony. But yeah, the it was like a, the audacity, <laughs> and especially just like because of how we all know each other. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like yeah. really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those like I know that scene so well. Yeah, yeah, because I've been in uh. two productions and produced one production of Much Ado About Nothing. But anyway, um, so uh, we then see the actress that played Beatrice talking to one of the other actresses in the uh. Mm in the dressing room and she talks about her boyfriend and then we cut to a restaurant later 
where they are telling this second actress that they are engaged to be married. Yeah, and then they leave. Yep, basically. Yeah, and it was all like part of a, a touring company with the prince of England who was with them. It was like like the yeah, prince sure was visiting India to make sure that everything oh, was... You know, a okay. You know English people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Colonizing everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well. Mm. Well. <laughs> um, but yes, then we go back to modern times, right? Yeah. So this was a number of years ago, um, mm-hmm. and now we're back in England, and we see creepy children playing hopscotch again. It. it I cannot. Exp- I cannot overemphasize how often this occurs yeah. <laughs> it truly does and it happen. doesn't didn't quite bother me as much in theory it was the fact that they were just so poorly overdubbed by adult voices yes mm-hmm. yeah oh rich yeah yeah rich picked up on that too i could absolutely understand that yeah um for me it was just like i i felt immense empathy for the two little girls playing hopscotch that like for that day's shoot had to keep doing the same rhyme over and over again <laughs> and playing hopscotch for hours and hours I'm like that must have been a nightmare well maybe well, they maybe. didn't well, have apparently to apparently they didn't yeah because yep. <laughs> which might have to do with they're obviously i i didn't pick up that they were adult voices yeah but you know i uh, so oh goodness so this, so, okay, this is very confusing, this sure. entire thing. I actually watched the first 45 minutes of it again because I did not understand most of what happened until I got the reveal from Poirot. And then I was able to go back and, and be like, mm-hmm. okay, got it. That's what this was about. And I don't know okay. if that's because I'm an idiot or if it was poorly done. Uh, I think we will get into a lot at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and- it was not clear initially some of the yeah. points, Melissa. I, I'm with you. I have enough trouble telling apart the actors that they choose for the most that yeah. when you introduce these characters to us and then certain people are supposed to look like certain people but not and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. that, like, I just don't even understand that there's two different people. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Our um, listener may not because what I just said was also very confusing. <laughs> Well, uh, I would encourage our listeners to get a subscription to BritBox so mm-hmm. they can see for themselves and follow or, along with us and engage with us on various platforms. Absolutely. And if you can't afford that, type the episode name into YouTube.com and see what comes up. A lot of episodes are just there. Yeah. Uh, so first we see Miss Sainsbury Seal. Oh my God. Who is the, uh, the actress friend. Not the one yeah. in the couple, but she uh, she is back in England after staying in India, where she apparently dropped out of the theater to become a missionary. Yep. 
So yeah. uh, she runs into, she's staying at the Astoria Hotel, uh, and she runs into an old friend um, who, Mr. Malia, mm-hmm. what's his name? Starts with an A. Mr. Amadala and Salisbury Steak sit down for a conversation. These names are truly <laughs> just untenable. Like, I was just gobsmacked by just the the names of the characters in this episode. Like it, yeah, does nothing to help anybody. Yes, yeah, like Frank, it's just are you so unnecessarily complicated. Frank Carter, are you kidding me? <laughs> so confusing. <laughs> Thank goodness for that one, right? Um, yeah. No, yeah. Mrs. Miss Sainsbury Seal is uh, is her name, and his name is. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. Amber Amberiatus. Yes. Amberiatus. Yes. yes, it is Amberiatus. Do you know? <laughs> because Jesus. Was, <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's a scene later on uh, where both Poirot and and Inspector Jap are. are are talking about Embryotis, and you can tell that they both have the hardest time saying this person's name because philip jackson god bless him happy birthday you're so young <laughs> he, he oh my god he like will take a pause he'll go mr Embryotis. Yeah. he's like clearly like trying to phonetically it's so funny yeah Anyway, they meet. He gives her back a water bottle. They um they were they were friends in India, and then they also took um, a train back together, right? Yeah, and he complained about a toothache, and she's like, you know, because they have their reunion like at the desk of like this the hotel, hotel yeah. the front yeah. desk, <laughs> and the hotel she's clerk like, oh. is like really annoyed. It's great. She yeah. it's like yeah. the end of her eight hour shift or whatever. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, essentially, uh, Miss Seal just. Over explains to this woman oh that could not care less about how the two know each other yeah. and why he has her hot water bottle. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's very boring. It doesn't matter. So, um, <laughs> I yeah. So they chat for a minute, um, and uh, he she says that she has just. Oh, I guess the thing that happens first is that he, mm-hmm. she runs into. Um, she goes to the dentist. She goes to the dentist. She goes to the dentist, Mr. Mur- Mur- Mur. Uh, Mr. Mr. Morley? Mor- Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Mr. Morley, the dentist. She goes there, and as she's coming out, she bumps into an old friend, the, the hu- man. The husband. The husband, yeah, from the uh, newsreel clip time. Whose name is Blunt. Blunt, yes. yeah. So, uh, yeah, she runs into Mr. Blunt and she and says, oh my gosh, I was friends with your wife. And, and he's, he's like, sure, like sure. oh yeah, yeah, uh, 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 right, of course I remember you, blah, 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 great. Huh. And so, um, Poirot also is leaving the same dentist as well oh. at that point. And Poirot clearly does not like going to the dentist. Yeah, it's very funny. I wanted to make note of something. When we finally see Poirot coming into this dentist office, mm. the episode has been going on for what feels like an hour and a half without Poirot. It's like 20 <laughs> minutes before Poirot shows up. Wait, no, it's really early on when he's at the dentist. It felt so long. And then there's just chunks without him afterwards. Like, it feels like a good yeah. 
like 30 minutes with no plot. Like, it's just very yeah. interesting. Um, actually, one of the things that I do like is that they'll show a little scene and then Poirot will walk into the shot and you really just get like his legs and his cane. Yeah. He, they do this a few times. Uh, some of the way that this is shot is very fun and interesting. I will say that. Um, but like, he walks past the scene of um, Blunt and Sainsbury Seal meeting mm-hmm. at the car. He just like walks past. You see Poirot, and he keeps walking. It's like, all right, that's fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, when he was going into the dentist, I was like, why is his office empty? Uh, no. <laughs> it looks like the same apartment. <laughs> that all of his anyway uh just set differently but uh it may well be yeah so yeah. Goes... what solidified it that it wasn't was the lack of cayman in yeah. the office yeah yeah that's yeah, right of course uh so they go uh so poirot goes to the dentist then um miss sainsbury seal has the appointment with the dentist and then mr blunt has the appointment with the dentist Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, so then we get the scene at the hotel. I don't know why I thought that was first. It wasn't. Uh, at where she meets Mr. Uh, um, Mr. A. Yeah. And uh, Ambariatus. There we go. And mm-hmm. and then uh, he reveals to her at some point in this that he's having a toothache. Um, on the train, he—that's why she had—he gave, she gave him the hot water bottle to ease the toothache. So he's been right, having it for right, right, days, right. and she's like, so, "You simply must go to the my guy. He's quite good." Yes. So uh, she also does mention to him that he, mm-hmm. she has also run into uh, Mr. Blunt, who was mm-hmm. married to her actress friend from her days, Goethe, on her days in uh, India. Great, and yes. he. Like, he has this kind of unintelligible uh, look past his face, mm-hmm. which is, it's very interesting. And I didn't notice it the first time I watched, but I did the second, um, which is going to be the theme. So then we see him finally give in and go to the dentist. Right? Well, uh, we see him return to his room. Yeah. Um. Which is like this gorgeous hotel room. Yeah. He's actually like a pretty gorgeous man in his own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. I, I, that schnoz. Yeah. He's quite striking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes a phone call. What did he say? I don't remember what he said on the call, but like it was kind of like alluding to the fact that like because of the things that she said over tea that, mm-hmm. you know, he's then make, like making an inquiry of some sort. Yeah. From my understanding, he just says, I want to speak to Mr. Blunt. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. And that's it. And then cool. they cut away. Right. Um, so then he does eventually go to the dentist. Um, you see all the comings and goings. Uh, and we see Mrs. Seals go to an apartment to make a visit. She is greeted by the landlord or super of this building who takes her up to the flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, yes. Uh, also a scene, may mm-hmm. I say, mm-hmm. of a very angry young man, kind of inexplicably, 
played by Christopher Eccleston. Oh, God. Yeah. Hot young Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> My God. He's so moody and so sexy. Love it. Yeah, truly. Um, but we get that. And we also get a conversation with um, the dentist and his wife about uh, their about the dentist's assistant who is seeing Christopher Eccleston's character and the dentist doesn't approve of him at all because he is in a union of fascists. So he might be right for this this one time. It was a pleasure to see uh, the wife, Georgina Morley. Oh my God, I loved her. Uh, Rosalind Knight, who plays, who I know is horrible grandma in uh, Friday Night Dinner. And oh. I saw her face, and I was like, she looks very familiar. And just the mannerisms. I was like, oh, horrible grandma. Oh, <laughs> and I, I was very, very excited. <laughs> I do not know that, but I really enjoyed her because her brother is, like, complaining to her. And she just has this bored look on her face. like Completely stone-faced. Come off it. It's like, just let the girl fall in love. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So, yes, uh, and Poirot does see Christopher Eccleston in the waiting room when he is yeah. there. Um, jumping yeah, around there's... a little bit, but it doesn't matter. There is a separate day. On the separate day, um, a bunch of appointments for have been made um, to see the dentist. One for um, uh, Mr. A, uh, one for Poirot, one for Salisbury Steak. And um, one for Mr. Blunt. So these okay. are all all people that are there for an appointment. And then also Frank Carter, played by Christopher Eccleston, is just there for some reason. Okay. I, this is, yeah. I, Isn't he always? There's too many dentist appointments in this. And too, yeah. like the fact that there's more than one day of dentist appointments is just not something that anyone yeah. should have to keep track of this early in a movie. How do you think they feel, Melissa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nine out of ten dentists recommend you make an appointment. <laughs> That's why the, the secretary has just gone off somewhere. <laughs> also, during this day, the secretary is not there, so it's just the porter, the, the poor young man um, who's so frazzled. Um, yeah. But basically, there's a series of um, them going in for, to their appointments, mm-hmm. and then um, a woman comes up to the the porter. Everyone else is left, and she it's just this older woman, and she goes to the porter, and she's like, I've been waiting for 45 minutes. This is ridiculous. I yeah. demand to see it. He's not answering. I'm gone. And I was like, lady, 45 minutes for a waiting room is nothing. Yeah. For like, all. number one. <laughs> yes. Ahead. And sorry, just before we get into it... Uh, at this point, uh, we do see that Poirot uh, runs into a woman getting out of a car, and he sees the buckle of her shoe, mm-hmm. her brand new patent leather shoe. Um, and then as she's getting out of the car, she inexplicably knocks the buckle off of uh, the shoe with her other foot. Um, and Poirot hands her the buckle, which is like a clip-on buckle kind of deal. Yeah, decorative, I suppose. Yeah, I used to have those when I was a little girl. I'd have little clip-on things for my little patent leather shoes. Oh, yeah, I was cute. Um. (laughs) (laughs) 
And she also drops her purse. Like, yeah. It's like this clumsy woman. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I is mean, going on? Listen, I'm clumsy too, but that was impressive. But what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening? Yes. So that is when Poirot runs into uh, the woman, Miss Sainsbury Seal, who is going to her dentist appointment. Yes. Uh, so yes. Poirot has come out. Salisbury stake his gun in. Mm-hmm. Um, then Mr. Blunt has also gone in, and then um, Mr. Ambriatus. Yes, Mr. Ambriatus has gone in, and then the yeah. then the lady who is upset about her forty five minute late appointment. Yeah. So the porter has to go check on him. Mm-hmm. And he is dead, and he has a revolver in his hand and a, a bullet hole in the side of his head. So it looks like he's committed suicide. And of course, when Jap shows up, he is like, well, open and shot case then. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously a suicide. I always get the feeling from Jap that he, like, just wants to go home and have a cup of tea. Yeah. And we see that later on. Oh my god, what a delight. He does a bit of gardening. It's really fun. Um, yeah, it's really charming. But yeah, absolutely. I, he, I, I think he is very similar to a lot of police uh, characters in, in mystery fiction of just like, I just want to do my job. I just gotta... Yeah, like... I really wish we also, like, an alternative title could have been A Porter Past Nine. Ugh... Because the porter finds the body. Uh-huh. I still might take the title to use it for maybe my own mystery novel or play. That. Yeah, TMTM. Because maybe it's about a porter. Maybe it's about a steakhouse. Who knows? Maybe it's about a very attractive porter who's a 10. And they come into town and it's a porter past nine. They're a 10 on the at a 10 and everyone's confused. <laughs> um, maybe he sells port wine. There, maybe, the possibilities yeah. are endless yeah <laughs> but i digress <laughs> so um basically chap is like it does seem like an open shut case and poirot is like that's it's still weird because he wasn't moody at all and he seemed fine when i was literally here three hours ago or whatever yeah and they talk to his sister with whom he lives and he, she's like he was fine and everyone is like yeah it's very sudden and strange and then um, it's also Mr. a hell of a time to choose for suicide like yeah in the middle yeah. of your appointments of the day yeah 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 that is like with no inciting incident it's very like, I under, well yeah i understood okay yeah just because like i mean we don't see all like he might have like gotten a letter that was like very incriminating i was actually yeah. thinking are they gonna look into that if see if you know like um he put the the wrong medicine and the wrong pill, like in It's a Wonderful Life or something like yeah. that. Um, sure. Well, I mean, that is kind of what happens uh, because Mr. Ambriotis dies um, from after- an overdose of uh, Nova- Novocaine and you know, adrenaline, adrenaline, which is, you know, that's a- even people at Betty Ford are like, don't even try. Yeah. Um, but... Anyway, uh, so he's he's passed on, and so they go to investigate his situation, and they surmise that like um, that 
the, the dentist had accidentally killed him and then felt so bad that he offed himself. Uh, right. So that's... That is their working theory. Exactly. Um, so... But then we... They do catch up with Miss Neville, um, the secretary. Yes. And she says to them, mm, that sounds like a really uh, unlikely scenario because um, he dentists get so in the habit of giving the exact correct dose. And it's like second nature to them. Like it would have been really bizarre of him to have accidentally given him such a high dose that it would have Mm -hmm. killed the guy. So that seems really plausible. Um, And then they talk about her boyfriend, Frank, um, our friend, Christopher Eccleston. And uh, it is uh, said by her and by the sister that um, the dentist had tried to convince her not to date him. And so he was probably, Frank was probably pretty ticked off about that. So maybe. Ticked off? That's so wonderful. I haven't heard that in a while. That was great. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was, that was just very charming. <laughs> Thanks. I haven't used it in a while. I don't know where where in my brain I was storing that phrase, but there we are. Real peeved about the whole situation, if you ask me. <laughs> uh so, yeah, so um, Poirot says, you know, I'd love to meet this guy. And she's like, well, this, he's so busy. So his only day off is uh, Sunday. And Poirot uh, tells her, well, it's a good thing Sunday is tomorrow. Yep. And they go to this very charming outdoor concert in a gazebo, which was not even a thing that I realized that I wanted to do until I saw that and realized <laughs> that I can't do that right now. No. Um, but once again, I will say though this: mm. um, he is, the concert is for a union of fascists that was pro Hitler during the 1930s. So, like, okay, so that was why everyone's like, "Don't date this man." I mean, okay, I somehow didn't pick up on the fascist part of it and i guess rich didn't either because i i saw the armband and like it it looks so nazi-like to me that Mm -hmm. it you know uh there wasn't a swastika on it as far as i could tell um but it did like it was a jarring image to me and rich just turned to me and said well before the Nazis, there also just were armbands on a lot of uniforms and they kind of stopped doing that after the nazis you know made them infamous. Well, I mean, I did not see it. No. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh. Yes. Um, I had to Google it, because I was like, why is everyone so disapproving of this union group? I and see. I, I Googled it, and it was basically like a far uh, right group. Um, so. Oh. Uh, yeah, and they do say, however, that he lost his job. Yeah. And he has been trying to find work wherever he can. And this is alluded to also during the conversation they're about to have with Poirot that he is um, not doing the work for this group necessarily (laughs) happily, if that makes sense. He seems to be put in a position where this is the only job he can currently get. Yeah. 
I think we can, I think we can pretty confidently headcanon the idea that he doesn't want to be there and he realizes it and he gets out. Mm-hmm. There's also something alluded alluded to in the reveal that supports that that I can bring up later if you remind right. me. Yes, because I am. I I want to love Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> yeah, because he, I understand. Yeah. Okay. I'm I mean, sorry to this man. I do, what am I supposed to know him from? Um, he is, he's uh, the, the ninth doctor. doctor from Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's also in Thor: The Dark World, perhaps. A but movie... he is not like you don't see his face in that very. Yeah, it's behind gotcha. a lot of makeup. Uh, okay. And a few other things as well. He's he's decent at mm-hmm. it. Um, the acting. Okay. I'll have to I'll have to look into he's him later. Quite good in this episode. In. He kept reminding me of like a young, and I looked into it because I thought he was just a young Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey. Mm. Oh, I don't know the Downton Abbey. I don't know. Like a young, uh, funny enough, the actor's name that I was thinking of is Jim Carter, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, who's married to Imelda Staunton, but it wasn't him, obviously. Yeah. Uh, no, Christopher Eccleston was only on Doctor Who for one season, um, but he was wonderful. Um, and yeah, I thought he had some really lovely uh, scenes in in this. Like he was doing some really good acting work, and with yeah, some of the other actors that we get in this, it's like he's it's like he's playing a different game than the rest yeah. of <laughs> them. Um, That's a very polite way to uh, to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um. um anyway, but they have a conversation with him briefly um talking about like why he was there and he's like i went to speak with the dentist and then i just didn't i just left because i got fed up mm-hmm. waiting around and i was like okay yeah um and that's that scene when do the two of them meet miss seal oh that would be next you're right so yes. they okay um they have an inter- interview with Miss Sainsbury Seal, and she... She looks quite different from the beginning of the episode. I mean, does she... I thought so. It didn't occur to me that okay. she... looks <laughs> exactly the same to me. I'm sorry to really? both of these actors. I could not tell them apart. If, oh my gosh, if you put I them up in a police lineup, I'd be like, they both did it, I guess. <gasps> so the thing is... I mean, we're clearly giving away some, like, end of episode stuff. But the problem I have is that when I'm trying, at the beginning of movies, I'm trying to keep track of names and faces. And if they look similar enough, I can't keep track of them anyway. I have this in TV shows when I'm first watching them. If, like, there's two brunette white women in the show, Unless there's something that, like, sticks in my brain that distinguishes the two of them from each other. I don't know which oh. one's which for, like, a couple episodes. You I just thought they were trying to make it so painfully obvious that it was two distinct actresses and just the way it was shot. Fascinating. Like, the big reveal, like, with the uh-huh. second actress, like, when she has the hat down and, like, mm-hmm. goes up and... No, yeah. And reintroduces herself into the camera. I was like, okay, clearly, like, they're trying to make this a clear point to the audience. And when I watched it the second time, I caught all of it. Because I knew, first of all, I knew what was going on. And second of all, I had, my brain had adjusted. It's like, oh, okay. 
These are these two faces. Yes. Um, Two things. One, Melissa, you must have had such a hard time with Twin Peaks. When at first you started watching it, because all oh, I don't those women look exactly the same. They all look exactly the same. They're all wonderful looking, but they all look exactly the same. Number uh, one. Yeah, that's it was a long time ago. So number two. Um, I had a similar experience to you, Melissa, of like once the reveal was made and they start playing clips, I'm like, oh, that's obviously now. Like I can tell now. Yeah. Um But yeah, it was it's but what I'll say is this, um, they, I still think, I don't know, like on um, the performance from the person they interview in this scene mm-hmm. is so consistent with the other person right. because they're, yeah. that I did just assume it was the same actor and the same performance. So that's great on both of these actors for coming together and being the most obnoxious person on the face of the planet. <laughs> so yeah, once I watched it the second time, I did catch that the person who was impersonating Miss Sainsbury mm-hmm. Seal was like, you know, taking it a little bit further, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of mocking, mocking sure. the the real uh, Sainsbury Seal. Um, and there, you know, at the end of the interview, you see Jeff and kind of roll his eyes at Poirot like, oh, mm-hmm. this lady, oh, what a weirdo. <laughs> There's a really good moment. There's two really good moments, and they're I, I, ingenious um, in their own way. Of like during the interview, uh, she says like they're like, "Do you remember who came out?" And you know, she was like, "Yeah." There's this really peculiar-looking foreign person, and then she realizes it's Poirot, and that's a really good setup for later for kind of covering up her tracks because then you know it's a nice diffusion. Mm-hmm. And then also she does this thing at the end. It's like, well, you know, if there's going to be an inquest, I'd be embarrassed. And she's like, oh, and Jab's like, oh, don't worry about it. Just, you know, s- stand up and speak clearly. And she's like, oh, that's very funny. I used to be an actress. And then like, she's like, actually in the papers, I would, you know, could you imagine my, my name in the papers? And then it says her name in full again, mm-hmm. which is Maybell, not Maybell. Mabel. Right, it's Maybell. M a b a e l l e, and she spells it for them. Yes, and they're like, "Okay, lady." Yeah, basically. Fine. Um, yes. Um, and so, I is this the point where then we get, or maybe maybe we've talked about a couple of other scenes out of order slightly. I'm not sure. Um, but Poirot does go over to Jap's house. Mrs. Jap is not there again. So we never there. It's like she's like Columbo's wife. Columbo's wife, and uh, I love it. Or is Uh, it just the one mystery Agatha didn't write, where Jap is suspected of murdering his wife? (laughs) Oh my gosh, the fan fiction. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's right. I have a wife in Canada. Uh... (laughs) Oh, different implications Mm. there. Yeah, and Uh, I've said what I said. But uh, there's a very funny part. So uh, what's actually lovely is he's gardening. Poirot drops by unannounced, says, uh, like, what's this about? And uh, Poirot then says it's about work. And Jap t- tells him, well, then I better put on a spot of tea, don't I? So it- it's very sweet and charming. It's like, oh, my friend come by came by unexpectedly. As opposed to this being annoying, I'm going to go like, all right. 
let's have mm-hmm. let's have some tea then. This is a it was kind of like a oh this is a nice surprise and I yeah. found that very charming because I would just be horrified if a friend stopped by unannounced. I guess I would be pleasantly surprised at this point in quarantine. I'd be like, oh, a person. (laughs) This is very irresponsible, but I'm so happy to see you. (laughs) I want to say, number one, yes. It's a very charming scene, and I love it very much. Mm -hmm. Um, The dynamic between Poirot and and Jap in this is, is absolutely superb. But I want to bring something up. Um, Melissa, you do an impression of Jap, and I do an impression of Jap. I don't think I've ever heard Tyler have a go, and I would like to. Uh, maybe in the future. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yeah, at some point. Uh, It'll be a that. Patreon exclusive. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, there's also, I don't know what this... I don't remember what Poirot goes to talk about, but whatever, because it's so overshadowed by their dynamic for me, and like mm-hmm. me looking around Poirot, uh, Jap's home, which we've never seen before, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rich pointed out that there's like police batons like on the wall in on a plaque. It's very strange. <laughs> and uh, and at one point Poirot asks for a tisan, and mm-hmm. yeah, Jap. Looks at him like, now come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know me better than this. Do I like... look like I have a tisane? <laughs> he does offer him a biscuit, and Poirot's like, no. No, thank you. <laughs> it, oh, because he also makes a face, because it seems like the tea that he has brought him is terrible. Yeah. Oh, God, you love just a working man. <laughs> you love to see it, folks. Yeah, he's trying. It's like, you know... When someone offers you food and it sucks, and you don't want to be terrible. I still feel like we have three hours left, but I know that he talks to Mr. Blunt at some point, as well as his secretary. Mm -hmm. Um, His his sister-in-law and her uh, her daughter are there. Oh, yes. The Americans. Yeah. In air quotes. Yes. These British Lord. women playing Americans. It's amazing. I and they New Yorkers. Oh, it was so fun. It's so bad. I love it so much. Um, but yeah. Uh, so they're there. Um, Tyler, take it away. Why Why are they all talking? They are talking because uh, they're trying to get information about Mr. Morley and like why he was there and... Mm-hmm asking if he was suspicious and you know how i think like how long he had also been going to mr morley is like brought yeah. up oh yeah and when like, when uh poirot and jap drop by uh yes. blunt's office yes, yes. um and then and the women are there because mm-hmm. um they are at his deceased wife's family and mm-hmm. apparently he pays them like he gives yeah. them money um just Technic- for being there Technically, he doesn't. Technically, the bank does it. And that's what he keeps saying. And oh, he's okay. like... Right, because I the know. wife had the money. Yeah, the wife really, had the money. And him. it's a... Trustees have control of the money now. And yeah, he, he is n- tangentially involved. They yeah, receive an allowance. he married into the bank, it seems. Um, yeah. And at a certain point, this did happen... Uh, before the whole Jap thing. This is all out of order. It doesn't matter. Um, 
but they meet with another guy from the bank as well who seems to be in a more control over it um yeah you know in explaining how um he got married to the wife when uh it it seems like because okay the uh the first wife who uh, was gerda who yes yeah because he was engaged to her right and it is uh it is assumed that she is dead or something right and then uh he married this other woman who died like four years after they got married then i think from here we get to arguably my favorite bit of the episode okay here we go Uh, we get like a close-up of this newspaper clipping uh about salisbury steak being missing (laughs) right they can't find find her they need to re-interview her they have no idea Uh where she is yeah yeah and we (laughs) get introduced to uh the landowner super of the building uh that salisbury steak had entered before Mm -hmm. and the guy like turns to his wife and is like it's it's that woman that woman that was here before that she's gone missing Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then cut to <laughs> these uh, two police officers in the apartment building, oh, and so like he's silly. leading up the stairs, and like, all right, well, I mean, you think she's in there? Like, w- like, do you have like a pass key? And he's like, no, I don't have a pass key. Right. It's like <laughs> it's her place where she lives. Like, I don't have access to that. And they're like, well, we can't just break it down. And he was like, well, you have to. She could be dead. <laughs> and then like, they look at each other and it's just like, are we, are we, are we going to do this? Like, really? All right. <laughs> Fine. And then he does, like, the, the worst, like, run into a door I've ever seen. He yeah. was, like, clearly to, like, mark, like, to let the person know behind the door to get out of the way before he does, like, the for real run <laughs> into the door. <laughs> Because then on the second one, it goes straight down. Yeah, it goes straight down. Yeah, I thought down. he was just a wimp. <laughs> what I, because I, yeah, I saw him, like, full stop and then, like, lean into the door yeah. as well. And it just looked to me like the direction had been, well, you don't get it the first time. And he's like, God, how am I going to do that? Uh, hmm. <laughs> and he, what I probably would have done as an actor as well, just, like, stopped and been like, eh. <laughs> oh, so bad. Oh, so bad. Panic. Uh, it's I mean, just a panic uh, moment. It was so it was so much fun to watch. It was great. Oh, the best. I want to um, talk also about one of my favorite moments in this scene, continuing with these two characters that we don't see again, which is such a shame. They're so fun. These two cops. Um, they come in and the the landlord's like, Mrs. Chapman and oh. the, the police goes, We hey, hey, we're in charge here. Mrs. Chapman. <laughs> oh yes, yes, so good. It's so good. It's like a classic bit, just a classic yeah. bit. And then eventually they're going through a very big apartment. Um, it's very and, big. Yeah, those two cops should be a part of. Like they should be the supporting actors in Just, just Chap. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Love them. Uh, so they they finally get to what appears to be like a laundry room, and there is a hamper in the foreground of the shot. And I'm uh-huh. like, the body's in there. That's where yeah. the body is. <laughs> I know. I know this one. <laughs> That's how it happens. If there's a hamper <laughs> or a barrel or, like, or uh, a freezer, that's where the body is. 
<sighs> and they're like, do we, sh- should I open it? And he's like, go for it. And then like, he's like parsing through and then like pulls back a sheet and there's the body with the legs clearly sticking out. And I was yeah. like, you could have clearly <laughs> seen the legs sticking out before you opened this, opened this hamper. And they so are, silly. The, the legs are shod in these buckly shoes like we have seen before, mm-hmm. but they are not brand new. They've got little scuffs on them. The toe is beat up. Um, very relatable, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when Poirot shows up with Jap, um, two things. One, he goes to the shoe and it's still fully intact. It's not been repaired or anything. So like it's right. like also a weird moment there. Mm-hmm. But also we just fully hear the the porter. The porter, that's what he is. He's a porter of the yeah, so superintendent, right. I guess. Uh just fully vomiting. You just <laughs> hear off screen a man fully vomiting from the stink. And I'm like, that's fair. The body's yeah. been there for like three days. Yeah, it was a very effective method of saying because also David Suchet, uh acting his face off too uh mm-hmm. comes in comes in and makes a yeah. you know makes a look like mm, this and he covers yeah. his nose yeah i love gross i love it so much because they have him like covering his mouth and going trying not to smell it and then it pans over to jap who's just standing there like nothing and i'm like that's that's it yeah <laughs> that's the yeah. difference <laughs> the whole series yeah. sum up yeah uh <laughs> What? I've gone nose blind to everything. <laughs> Don't have no sense- stupid. Don't you know what that means? <laughs> yeah. I can't smell. <laughs> can't taste food anymore, can I? That's why my tea is so terrible. <laughs> I've gone nose blind. <laughs> oh boy. I've got to get hooked on phonics for my nose. Not sure what that means, but. There we are. Uh, okay. So, oh, yeah. And at one point, um, they're looking for Miss Sainsbury's seal in her a hotel room at the Astoria. Yeah. Uh, well, they're not looking for her. and They're looking for evidence because she's not mm. there. Um, and Poirot finds a pair of cheap stockings. Yeah. I love how Poirot knows how much these stockings cost. Like, why? I. I... Hey. Poirot after dark. We don't know what that life is. <laughs> That's you true. Know? <laughs> I mean, so we had also seen um, her bags being moved from the Astoria into this other. The Carlisle. Place. Yeah. Okay. The other place. Yeah. Um, where they've just found her body. Also. So when they find the body in the hamper. Yeah. Um, it has been. Like the face has been really disfigured. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It's not and they, great. And they, don't... they don't remark how, right? No, they, they do just not. say it's been disfigured. Right? Yes. And they do not okay. show it either, which is Which is, can fine. I tell you, far yeah. more effective. Yeah. Because, like, whatever I had in my head was so much worse than any terrible makeup job they could have done. For sure. Absolutely. In my mind, she had pimples. <laughs> Oh no! I'm kidding. <laughs> it's just she's killed her, and then she rubs a bunch of bacon grease on her. Just, just... <laughs> so she breaks out. Oh no! 
Oh, or like they put looks, like glasses on her, like where it's like a '90s movie, yeah. where like the girl's only attractive when you take the glasses off. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she pans down; it's just full Darth Maul makeup. <laughs> oh, you, you got so, put her in a kabuki mask because racism in England. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, but so then there's uh, there's confusion about who the body actually belongs to. Yeah, who this like, person was? Because the inquest, okay. the inquest, they go to an inquest, and the new dentist who inherits all of his patients was like, "I can confirm that that's Mrs. Chapman, not Mrs. Miss Salisbury Seal," through um, dental records. Right, and yes. so they're like, "Okay, so Mrs." Salisbury Seal is still just out there. And then who is this Mrs. Chapman? And then they go through and they go, Mrs. Chapman had the same dentist, though. So that's like, it's all weirdly connected to this one person. Three people have died, all of which have the same dentist. Huh. Yes. And we, yeah. we're also talking about, like, fascism and Nazis in this episode. Mm-hmm. And her initials are SS. Interesting. Bit of a conspiracy theory, yeah. Perhaps. Illuminati confirmed, <laughs> yeah. Agatha Christie was an Illuminati. Oh boy, first she's a fraud and now she's an Illuminati. Perhaps she still is. Ooh, <laughs> the disappearance of Agatha Christie, part deux. <laughs> oh boy, so what did you okay. want to just um, take the break and then do the yeah. sum up? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I don't think I think anything... we still have like half of a thing to go through. There's a very confusing. <laughs> there's a very confusing part where there's like they track down Chapman and he's just married to this new Mrs. Chapman and they're like yeah. in bed. Because yeah, it's the yeah. wrong Chapman. Yeah, the wrong Chapmans. Which it's is... not important. It's very strange. It's very odd. It, it feels they're like obviously it's... like in the middle of boning. they're getting it on they're interrupted by the police and it feels like it's something just left over from the book that doesn't really translate yeah it does all right let's take this break hi everyone Welcome to the smooth, smooth jazz, dulcet tones of the Amateur Detective Club. You know where, you know where we are. Besides at home, safe. We're on the Scavengers Network. You can go to scavengersnetwork.com and check out all the goodies there for you, cool cats and groovy pups, like historical hotties, a uh, very horny podcast. Myth Takes, a very funny podcast. State your case, an evaluation of the American system. Relevant? Mm-hmm. You decide. <laughs> Go to scavengenetwork.com. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll come back and have some other things to tell you at the end of this ad break. Oh. Yeah. What a tease. So, <laughs> I... So yes, uh, also you can find us on social media at ADC Pod and on Twitter, which is part of social media, and Instagram. 
Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ADCPod. Uh, follow us, please. It helps. Also, it gives me a little hit of dopamine every time we get a new follower. Um, so know that you'll personally be doing that for me. And uh, please you... for just a like a day, keep me Melissa's depression away. Only you can help. That's right. Also, go on to Apple Podcasts and uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Uh, but only rate when you're giving us five stars. Yes. Do that. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Opulence. Intrigue. <laughs> Mystery. Oceans. Food. Screens. <laughs> for only one dollar, for as low as one dollar a month, you can have access to ADC's Patreon. Patreon.com slash ADCPod. Do you have what it takes? So the other thing mm-hmm. I was going to mention yes. earlier, and then I okay, thought I'd we... wait. Is this the ad break still? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm doing my smooth voice. <clears throat> Give me one second. <clears throat> <laughs> Keep yes. that in. Hello, everyone. All right. So what I want to mention before was uh, we got some merch over on uh, Teespring, I believe. Tea Public Teespring, yeah. Um it's in the show notes. Go there. Uh, we have some new merch. Um, uh, order and method t-shirts and coffee mugs, which I've ordered for us. And uh, all the proceeds that go to that go to a... Anne. Oh, I'm so... I'm just... I'm word stupid, too. Fighting uh, for justice across the nation slash whatever. Um, and it, it is... You know what I'm trying to say. Um, you can also pick whatever organization if you just send us a message and be like i want these to go to this specific thing you know and then we'll say no and then yeah as long as it is in keeping with the spirit of what we are talking about we reserve the right to say no we're not giving to like (laughs) a political i I, I, I was joking but yes yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. just in case (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an organization that is adjacent to the Black Lives Matter movement, whether mm-hmm. that is a bail fund or a uh, resource for black people's mental health or um, just going and getting a cup of coffee at a, a black-owned bakery or whatever. We'll, we'll find some way to take your money and give it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> End of thought. <laughs> also in the spirit of giving. Friday, June 26th, is TDF's annual Giving Day. Our country is facing enormous challenges, a global pandemic, and a long-due reckoning with the perpetuation of racism woven into the fabric of America. For 52 years, TDF has worked to make the performing arts accessible to all. We will be here after the health crisis subsides to help theaters reopen, help audiences reemerge and reconnect and help our producing colleagues to address the systemic racism pervading the American theater. But to do all this, they need your help. TDF is committed to making sure everyone has the access to the transformative experience when the lights come back on Broadway and beyond. 85% of TDF's revenue stopped due to the closure of performance venues. And we are counting on people like you to help sustain TDF's critical operations through this crisis so we can be ready on the other side. So I hope you will join us for TDF's Lifeline campaign 
at give.tdf.org. What a successful thing we've done. So, um... <laughs> you guys, we did an ad break. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, so, Poirot, can we just skip to the Poirot yeah. getting everybody together? Because it's easier to explain once we've, like, once we're in the room doing it. But we're, Poirot gathers everybody at the headquarters of uh, the bank. The bank? The yeah. The bank quarters. The head, head bank quarters. Mm-hmm. In this lovely conference room. Mm-hmm. It's because, very grand. It's very funny. It's because they're in Mr. Blow's office and like his his relatives are there. And then, oh, we forgot a huge thing. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Poirot goes to say with Mr. Blunt and then it turns out Christopher Eccleston's the gardener and the shot goes off and then they oh, yeah. arrest Christopher Eccleston and then he goes to talk to Christopher Eccleston and is like, I know it's not you, but you need to tell me the truth. And he tells you, he tells him the truth of like, he didn't, he went in right away, saw the body at like 12 PM and then ran away cause he was nervous. Um, admittedly. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he was like, everyone's going to think I did it because you know, I had a reason to, but yeah. I didn't. So I just got the heck out of Dodge. So he goes visit him in jail and he, he's like, you by telling me the truth, you've confirmed what I already know. And then he gathers everybody together. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, then, so they go to the office and, and Mr. Blunt goes, are there going to be any more? Because we should probably go to the conference room. It's very passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, so Poirot lays out what happened. So what happened was Mr. Ambariatus was uh, blackmailing Mr. Blunt. Yeah. And so Mr. Blunt set this whole thing in motion. God, as I I started this very confidently and then I'm like, wait, what? How did we get here? How? I'm already in the weeds. Okay. Tristan... Are you yeah. raising your hand? Yeah, okay, I can, okay. unless Tyler, you want to. Um, I think we can tag team it, but okay. you, you can kick it off. Start okay. us off. So, um, it all starts with uh, Miss Salisbury Seal bumping into Mr. Ambriatus and telling him something that no one else in the world knew, which is that uh, Mr. Blunt was married before. Right. He learns this information. He calls up Mr. Blunt and he's like, hey, sucker, guess what? I, I know about your first wife that you're technically still married to, by the way. He quote, quote unquote bigamy. Um, she's still alive. Yeah, she's still alive. You just got married twice. You shouldn't have done it. Um, and then he's like, okay, that's fine. And then he makes sure somehow he knows that Ambriatus is going to go to the dentist. Oh, be- right. Because Miss Salisbury Seal meets up with Gerda, who is mm-hmm. still alive and is mm-hmm. acting as his secretary. Right. And so she tells Gerda that, you know, she recommended somehow in conversation it comes up. So through that, they learn that Ambriatus is going to be going to the dentist. Mm-hmm. And so he during his appointment 
kills the dentist, so pretends to be the dentist to kill Embryotis, and then goes away um, and sets it up to look like a suicide. And then Miss Salisbury Seal dies because... No, because she um, she shows up later, I'm sorry, and then bumps into Gerda, who's like, well, no one can know that I'm who I am, so she's got to go, and then gets killed. And her face gets um, disfigured, so people assume that it's not actually her. So there's been a double this whole time. Because... Right, so she's the first one to die. Mrs. Yes. And it, her, it's not actually Salisbury Seal, it's something else, and now I've completely forgotten what it really is. I think it's Sains- Sainsbury? Sainsbury, Sainsbury Seal. There oh, have I been saying Salisbury? Yeah, you have. We have. Uh, and I was completely fine with it. I yeah. Didn't that. I mean, just anecdotally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she's I, technically the first one to die, and then um, Gerda replaces her. Yes. Um, so when she meets Poirot, it is at the dentist when they pass each other with the shoe buckles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he picks up her shoe buckle. It is already uh, Gerda yeah. impersonating. And she has really nice shoes and very, very small feet. And Poirot is like, when she, he finds the body, he says this really whack thing of like, and man, when I saw the body of this woman, her feet were ugly. These were the ugliest feet I'd ever seen. It was really just ding dang ugly feet. <laughs> So, yeah, so she comes in with these brand new shoes, but they're cheap and clip-on. And then yeah. when when the body is actually found, the dead body of Mrs. Uh, Sainsbury, Miss Sainsbury Seal, um, the shoes are uh, worn, and they're a different size. Yeah. Completely. So because like he deduces using the stocking size to deduce the size of the feet. Right. That's all that's... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So she is dead first. Um, the Gerda is impersonating her at the dentist, and uh, she goes in and switches the dental records around. So then that's when um, the dentist has to die so that uh, Blunt can impersonate the dentist and kill Mr. Ambriatus. Um, and uh, yeah, and then it's revealed that his secretary was his wife the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she you know, was such a fine actress that they've, like, just been playing this weird sex game for a long time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm mad at it. Weird sex game might be the new love relationship, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they no, have. They're, they're, they, got, they have a thrill, a sensual thrill from pretending to be other people and the, the just the naughtiness of it all it's oh, yeah. very you know i'm not gonna yuck anyone's yum but yuck well you can when it involves murder yeah 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 and uh then at the end he's they're like, literally horny for murder i'm sorry yes they, they are. are uh mr blunt uh says a wild thing which is mm. i know i've killed three people so yeah. technically i should hang however I really do such a great service for everybody else uh, in London that shouldn't I be, you know, shouldn't I be hailed as a hero, really? Yeah. And I got so concerned because we haven't read this before. Yeah. I was like, 
is this gonna be like a weird episode of power where he just like lets him go yeah it's like yeah. i cannot handle that same right now. I was and a then, little worried because he yeah. also, Poirot just leaves without like doing anything. And then you do hear Jap arrest them. But yeah. like for a moment. Well, we also I've... get. Um, yes. Uh, Aaron Echo. Eckhart. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Christopher Eccleston. Jack, sure. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? The character <laughs> Frank is Frank Carter. Carter. Frank Carter, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. We get. You know, one more time. Jack Carter? Frank Carter. Frank Carter. Jack Carter is... Frank Carter. Jimmy Carter. It's like, uh, so what about me? Like, I almost went down for this. Yeah, you're framing like, what me. Did I, what did I do to you? Because, of course, uh, the shot in the woods when he was, like, gardening... Um, when, you know, the gun was shot before he was mm-hmm. arrested and he picks the gun up because it was thrown at his feet. That was all done by Gerda slash Helen. Um, to the secretary wife. Yeah. Secretary wife to frame him up for the murder. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then Poirot yeah. like tries to guilt trip Blunt about that and Blunt's just like, okay, Anne. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I don't, <laughs> frankly speaking, I just do not care. Yeah. Sorry, um, I don't have emotions. Yeah, it's interesting though. Um, Which you know, I admire the consistency. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, true. and like in the writing of, and the structure of the character, not like the characteristic of mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. being terrible. Being, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're gonna yeah. be terrible, be terrible. You know, if you're gonna sing out, sing out. No, if you're gonna be terrible, be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they get carted away. The Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Blunt get carted away, and then mm-hmm. Poirot and Jap have this nice moment of like, say, you know, it's all this. You see all this affect, and it's just, it's still, they're just the same as us little guys. And Poirot's like, mm, there, mm, there's no one, there's no little guys, particularly me. And it's very funny because David is five five or whatever, and and Philip Jackson is seven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> He's, yeah, he has to, while he's saying he's not small, he has to, like, crane his head to look up at uh And I've been there. Jeff. Yeah, it's great. It's really um, and that is the end of the episode. Yeah. All right. <sighs> so. Uh, I give it a two. Uh, because one, two, that effing blue. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I, like it was just so convoluted and confusing and just so unnecessary and really disappointing because I looked into it because I was like, wh- like what did people think of this? Mm-hmm. And apparently this was a very faithful adaptation of the book on which it's based. So... It makes me very nervous for, like, when we eventually <laughs> oh, have to slog through the book. <laughs> um, it gets into it because I, I did enjoy uh, certain performances. Um, and it was so wonderful to see Rosalind Knight and mm-hmm. something that I hadn't seen her before. Like, it just she just brought joy to me. Mm-hmm. And I did like the... essence for lack of a better term the by the vibe of Mm -hmm. the parlor reveal Mm. Mm. yeah um so i appreciated that but yeah overall like this was just 
all over the place. Yeah. And the the dubbing was Ugh. again like oh my god it was awful to yeah. me like I just that killed it for me. So yeah. Uh I'm going to give it a 2.5 part of it, which is like straight down the middle. Um because there were things I liked very much about it. Um, in the actual mystery itself is fascinating. Like the, the crime, the motive, everything about that is really interesting. Um, and, uh, some performances were very good, interesting characters. The problem is for me, as I was kind of alluding to before, the way it was set up. Um, now if this is a very faithful adaptation, I hope that that, I hope it's in a way that, uh, <laughs> that it just like hits all the right, you know, notes about the, about mm -hmm. the plot rather than how it's set up. Because I think that there was something, it felt like there was something done in the adaptation that made it more confusing than it needed to be. Like I could see how this, uh, how this book could have been written better than the execution of the actual uh, movie? I don't... Okay. Yeah. Um, that's my hope. Um, but, but yeah, the way it was set up was mystifying. There was, like, really no way... I mean, especially if you don't recognize that someone else has started taking over and impersonating Mrs. Miss Sainsbury Seal. Um, and again, when I watched it through uh, the first 45 minutes or whatever it was, the second time, I was like, oh, okay. That's interesting. And, like, little things that Mr. Ambariatus did with his eyes when he reacted to the news of Mr. Blunt being around. It's like, oh, that's interesting, too. Like, it, yeah, there were things about it that were very interesting. It's just for a first-time watch, it's, like, almost impossible to follow. And, you know, we're not particularly, like, we're pretty intelligent. Like, we should be able to, like, at least hold on to who these characters are and kind of follow what's going on rather than waiting until the end and having to go back and figure anything out. Because it doesn't hold interest. I think that's the problem. It just makes it uninteresting as opposed to yeah. intriguing. Mm -hmm. There. That's my problem. Yeah, I agree with um, everything you've said. I... I I figured out one of the reasons I had such a hard time with the the actors being switched because they both look like they both look like that you know tyler you know what i'm talking about like why go to four stores when you can when you can go to just one the woman that says honey you've got a big storm coming they both yeah. look <laughs> enough like that woman from that vine <laughs> well i'll send you a link melissa <laughs> Great. Oh, but it's so it's good. It's so good. Um, we've talked about it before in the program. <laughs> um, oh, okay. It's fine. Um, but yeah, they look both enough like that, that when I think back, I'm like, what do, do these two people look like? That's all mm -hmm. I can think of is, honey, you've got a big storm coming, which is not helpful. So no. I think there's that. And then also, uh, I it's just, it was very confusing. It was very confusing. Now, here's the thing, the aesthetic the aesthetic quality of that first, mm, I'd say 30 minutes with the weird, like that opening, I was like, okay, <laughs> what is happening? This is yeah. fascinating. And I was like, if they continued to have that tone throughout, but like 30 minutes in, they just drop it and it's a normal episode of Poirot. 
And I'm like, and then at the end, they kind of bring it back a little bit. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, I mean, they do have like the eerie music, but like they they should have gone farther with it if they're going to make that strong of an opening. Um, I think, uh, I think, and I, God bless all of these people. Um, I'm sure whatever, uh, happened, happened. Um, (laughs) the acting was subpar in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. with the exception of Suchet and Jackson, who know what they're doing. Eccleston was adequate. He was very good. Like, he's doing something different than the... He's in a... My issue, though, is, like, he's in a different... He's in a different... He's in a different show. He's just, like, acting at a different show, which... It was a better show. It's a better show, but, like, it doesn't fit (laughs) what everyone else is doing. Um, That's all right. I don't blame him. (laughs) Whereas, yeah... Uh, whereas, like, that scene with just he and Suchet is really good because you have two actors that, like, are really, really strong. Yeah. Um, and also, like, and this is also, like, we, we watched the Suchet version of Murder on the Orient Express uh, for, a, for a, like, a telethon thing recently. Sort of, yeah. Um, and, and seeing how good the show gets and how good the acting gets... And then going back to these, like, you know, cornier 90s actors, which is fine, which is very charming in its own way. It just was a little bit jarring, I think, for me. Um, So there was that. The plot was very difficult to follow, as is evidenced by how we've all slogged through trying to retell it. And just the only redeeming thing is Jap and Poirot. That's the only thing, because there's some really great moments, not just with the house, but there's also this really great moment where where Poirot goes to Jap, and he's like, I need to see um, Frank Carter. And he's like, well, that means you have something. You should play it straight with us. And he's like, I am. I'm do- doing it as, I'm trying to be as fair with you as possible. And the fact that their relationship is still contentious, but they're still friends is really compelling. Because, mm-hmm. like, they are still trying to both do their jobs to the best of their ability. Yeah. Um, and so, like, those little moments are the thing that, like, the aesthetic at the beginning and then those little moments are the basically the only thing I truly enjoyed about the episode. Um, and for that, I, I give it a one. Okay. Um, it is a fine enough thing to watch but the other thing that makes me so sad and and you've talked about this before tyler if this had been the last episode of the series like for the season rather i wouldn't come back necessarily to see what they were doing next uh because i'd be like that was weird that was hard to understand and there was weird sound effects going on throughout and i think i wonder if there's any like publications we can sort through at the time of to see people's reaction to it at the time like reviews um it's not as far as like how faithful it is an adaptation but like what generally people thought about it because like it it was like a not standard episode of poirot which like if they had done if they'd switched death in the clouds and this around it would have made more sense for me the order Mm. yeah also uh, the tonal um thing that they start out with Mm -hmm. i actually think confused me because with the girls and the hopscotch and that I was like, what is this? I like I thought that that was going to be part of it rather than just they named the episode and I'm assumed the book one two buckle my shoe, mm-hmm. and I, you know 
they used the heck out of that hopscotch song. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to these children? Oh, this is yeah. very creepy and weird. And it's, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Whoever decided to put that in just was like, oh, same name. Got to use yeah, it. They're not even witnesses to anything. No, no they just there. exist. They're and just... it's, they're like these specters of evil that <laughs> never get paid off. And it's extraneous. <laughs> it's like they're constantly doing it. Every time they go to this dentist, it's the same two children constantly playing hopscotch. Like, yeah. go to or school. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> perhaps they represent the two different identities of Sainsbury Seal. Ooh. <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, I, I, I agree. Too much. I agree as well. Like you also don't need them because of yeah. the fact that like the the mystery is solved with the buckle of a shoe. Like that's the reason. It's name that. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's like already there. It's built into the story. Yeah. It's just. It's so. It was just so weird, and I was. It wasn't like off put. I love that kind of weirdness. Yeah. But it was but just it didn't like. Fit. It just, just was so strange. It didn't make any sense. It was so and, yeah, weird. I, and it was so notable. It was so framed that, mm-hmm. like, it was it, it was confusing. <laughs> I was watching this with Christina, my girlfriend, in the room, and she said, oh, no, what? <laughs> when it started happening. <laughs> she was like, is this Poirot? She literally asked, is this Poirot? Yeah, yeah I think Rich might have said the same thing. Yeah, it was similar. very strange. Yeah. Hence my comment at the beginning of, like, David Lynch must have directed this. It's yeah. so freaking weird. And I can't get One Two Buckle My Shoe in the minor key as sung by these terrifying <laughs> adult women pretending to be children out of my head. <laughs> Can I tell you? I had never heard the full rhyme. That was the bit. Be- I'll give it a one um, and a half because I learned the full rhyme. Great. Because <laughs> it dropped some knowledge on me. Ugh. <sighs> uh. God. Okay, don't watch this one, guys. Ooh, drop some knowledge on me. That could be a fun learning parody of Poison. <laughs> All I right. love it. <laughs> uh, if you're going to watch this one, just uh, skip to the scenes where Christopher Eccleston Just is... take a couple benzodiapapines beforehand. Chill no. out. <laughs> watch Rosalind Knight. She's a delight. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. great, too. Oh, the woman who played um the, the, the daughter of the American, she was very fun. Uh, the... Oh, yeah, she was quite yeah. fun. She had a fun performance, and she was clearly English because at one point she does an impression of an English accent, and it just sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. was really funny for me. Yeah, I can't believe they were supposed to be from New York. Like, there's yeah. no way those accents are from New York. No, no, not no. at all, not at all. Uh, That's fair. Uh, That's yeah. probably what they think of us when we try to do accents. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Phil Jackson's gonna call me up <laughs> one of these days and be like, "I understand you've been doing an impression of me." <laughs> I think you calling him ninety would give you the yeah. phone call before anything else. <laughs> yeah, understand that you're, uh, you've been some slander's been said. <laughs> and I know that our, uh, our our listeners from England. I'll mostly listen to the podcast to hear us talk about Poirot rather than for our winning personalities. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Apologies um, for our terrible accents. Yeah, well, you know. Hope they're not too offensive. We're not really trying. Does that make it better? No. No, <laughs> um, no it doesn't, but, you know, it is what it is. It can't be what it's not. 
<laughs> sure. It's true. And with that, I call this meeting of the Amateur Detective Club to a close. <laughs> Gavel sound. This episode one, could not be what it isn't. That, that's my review. Buckle my shoe. Three, four. Door. 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 <laughs>